a yellow is an indication your next signal is red so you need to prepare when you sight that yellow signal to bring your train to a stop at the next signal which will be red and how long do they take to pull up now now here we go yeah. this is why we ended up having two beers <laughs> over lunch <laughs> so if if we're Travelling along the track at 80 kilometres an hour on an empty train, we have the capacity, we have dynamic braking, which is pretty instantaneous braking, but it still takes a considerable amount of distance to pull that train to a stationary stop. So mm. worst case scenario is with the loaded. You've got all that added weight. It's 113,500 tonne of coal in a loaded train, in our oh. loaded trains. Welcome to the Beers with a Miner podcast. My name is Mad Mumsy and I've been driving the huge dump trucks in Australian open cup mines for over 10 years now. I wish I had a dollar for everyone who said to me, how does a little thing like you drive those big trucks? Oh, you must be rich. How do I get a job doing that? My mining friends are asked these questions all the time too. This is what started the Mad Mumsy journey to share stories and tips from living a mining lifestyle and to let others know what it's really like. Tune in each episode as I sit down for a relaxed chat, usually over a few beers, with a fellow miner. Women and blokes with various experience, roles and opinions share their lessons and stories with you. Not everyone is cut out to be a miner, but why not? What does it take to thrive and survive in this industry? Now, let's dig in. Get it? Dig. Mining. I crack me up. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Beers with a Miner podcast. I am Mad Mumsy and this is another happy hour episode. Today I speak with kick-ass woman, author and coal train driver, Joe Sainsbury. And it's a great conversation. I really enjoyed hanging out. It took us two days to get there because the first time I went, we spoke so much about all of the things she's doing and maybe an upcoming collaboration, which you'll hear about in the episode. But also we went to the local pub and had lunch and we ended up not recording the podcast and she came to my place, well, not my place, I'm, I'm staying as I record this at a lovely, bit posh, I must say, marina unit for three days so I could get away and get some work done away from home because I work from home now and when you're at home working, there's always something to do. There's always gardening, there's bloody dogs barking everywhere, so it's hard for me to record between trains, trucks, dogs barking, and then to top it off, they started hauling cane past my house. I thought, I, I can't do this. So I'm hanging out here. The real miner's been coming at night and we've been going out for dinner and having nice breakfast and watching all the action at the marina. Beautiful, beautiful Queensland skies. So I hope wherever you are, you're staying warm. Of course, you're staying safe. We're still in the middle of this COVID-19 corona effort. So hopefully, if you're listening in the future, it's all gone away and it's a big part of our history. But for now, we're still in it. So stay safe, wash your hands, keep your distance, but still stay socially connected as Hard Hat Mentor, my blister, would say. So 
Let's now dig into the episode. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Joe. I know I certainly did, and I know so much more about driving a train and how they do it and how long they work and where they go and what they do and, you know, why do they go so bloody slow sometimes and hold us up forever? And the number one question, how long are those trains? Okay, sit back, relax, grab a beer (laughs) if you like, and listen in as Mad Mumsy chats with Joe Sainsbury, author of High Heels to High Viz and also with an upcoming live radio show. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. (laughs) Okay, shut up, Mad Mumsy, let us do it. Cheers. Hello, Joe Sainsbury. Welcome to the Beers with a Minor podcast. Hello, Mad Mumsy, and thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. It is, and uh, here we are at Mackay Marina looking out at coal ships. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of course. You just can't get away from them, can we? If you are one of the people in the Beers with a Minor podcast group on Facebook where you get to see a lot of behind-the-scenes action you would have seen our Facebook Live that we did at one of the local pubs here and we had lunch. We ended up having two beers and didn't record the podcast because school came out and it was too noisy. <laughs> so here we are. We're going to try again. Was, we will. Said, oh, Second time round. Yeah. We'll be better. Yeah, we will. All right. So let's start off. You have written a book called High Heels to High Viz and... I just love it. I love it. And thank you so much, my sister, Hard Hat Mentor. Hi, Blister. And me. Uh, actually, make, get a mention in there. So thank you for that. You're We've welcome. forgotten that. Yes. Yes, you do get a mention because you ladies are like pioneers of this industry where the female employees come into working in the industry. So I've read a little bit about it and I've spoken to both of you and I've learnt a lot about yourselves and your mother being a pioneer in the industry so that's a great milestone and achievement to make and very excellent role models to look up to so thank you oh my god thank you oh if if it wasn't covid at the moment i'd come give you a big hug and i'm a hugger too so we'll elbow bump like we have been we have been elbow bumping that's right um so why did you decide to write a book it came up first off from a facebook ad for how to write a book workshop and it was on my days off and i thought what the hell something to do i'm going to go along to this went along to the half day workshop and was totally enwrapped in it and signed up and said i'm going to write a book and then i walked away thinking what am i going to write a book about Typical, you know, act on impulse. So I walked away, but then as I, as a couple of days uh, moved on, it became quite apparent because I was getting asked quite a lot from other women, how did you get your job? You know, that's unbelievable what you do. It's, I couldn't do that. And it made me think, yes, you can. Anyone can do the job. Everyone is capable of doing the job. So I thought, that's what I'm going to write my book about. My transition from coming out of the corporate sector, working in corporate, majority of my life, stepping out into the industry, the rail and mining industry, and into high-vis. 
So that was where I started. And the book notes and writing began during my layoff time and downtime whilst driving a train. Wow. And yes, you heard that right. Although if you listen to the intro, you'd know by now she drives trains. (laughs) Um, But I'm so used to saying, like for me, I started writing notes. I was going to write a book as well, but I end up doing a podcast instead because I love to talk. (laughs) So that's what I started doing as well, writing notes. And then I started writing lists. I'm a real list head about everything. And that's what I've brought with me here for these three days is all my books and all my notes. And they're all, did yours get kind of dark from the dirt, black hands getting on? Do you, well, we'll get into that, but um, they're well-worn, shall we say. Well-worn and they're plagiarise something chronic with highlighter pens. They look like a kindergarten's crayon book. (laughs) We've got different coloured highlighting throughout all my books. So, yes, I love my books. I'm a myself and anyone that has worked with me or knows me, I'm a really big note taker, always have been, journaler. So it was natural for me to sit down with a notebook and start writing. So, yes, I'm one of those people as well that um, I love to read, I love to learn, and um, from there you get an idea and you start writing. And now we have a real book. We do, and it was such an overwhelming feeling. And I was actually out at work because we had a bit of an issue, a um, delivery issue uh, with the arrival of my book. So it was about three weeks overdue and they hadn't turned up. So we followed up with the um, the sender and the printers and we found them sitting in a, um, a depot down in Toowoomba where they'd been accidentally addressed to and not to my address. So when they eventually got rerouted to my address, I was actually out on shift and my husband received the books in, and he said, rang me and he said, do you want me to open them? I was like, no, don't open them. That's my, that's my moment. (laughs) So so when I got home the next night after shift and uh, I was finished for the swing, we um, had this big opening ceremony, himself and I, and it was absolutely an exhilarating feeling to open that box and see your hard-covered book sitting right in front of you and lots of copies sitting there. So it is. It's an unreal feeling and it's a very good feeling of accomplishment and fulfilment. And it was just a point of, well, I wrote this book and I wasn't too concerned whether I sold one copy, 50 copies or 500 copies. I've sold quite a few, so I'm quite happy with that. But it was just, it was an accomplishment and I'm very glad that I sat down and done it. And, um, I'm a published author now, so I'm very, very excited and um, proud of that. And so you should be. And you will probably hear the noise in the background. That was Jo patting her book on the table. This is like it's your baby, isn't it? I can see that. Now, I'm going to have to smack you if you keep doing that, though, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You did warn me about the background noise and I'm new to this, so yes. (laughs) It's all good. Hey, so... It is very remiss of me that usually my first question, although sometimes it is my last question, is since this podcast is called The Beers With Minor Podcast, uh, what is your favourite drink, Joe? Could be beer, wine, spirit, perhaps even a cup of tea. And did you have it 
when you and your husband had the opening ceremony, looking at the books. That's what triggered the me- I'm like, oh, geez, I forgot to ask. <laughs> I like my refreshments, so I don't just have one favourite. I do like beer, wine, CC, and the old Southern Comfort now and then. So, And particularly when times call upon tequila. To get slam. Oh, tequila, like, lime and soda, yeah. Oh, right, yep. So, or a margarita or anything with tequila in our life. So. Nice. So, uh, your beer of choice, what would that be? That changes. I have uh, quite a few favourites. At the moment, I'm drinking Carlton Dry. I have been a mid-strength lady before. Oh, right, which is what we are drinking today. Yep. And cheers. cheers. Congratulations Thank on you. your book. Now, before we move on to your story of mining, how can the listeners get the book? Okay. So it's available on Amazon and also through my website. There's the link there and that's at www.kickasswomen.com.au. Kickasswomen. She's got the... She's got the top on, and we'll get a few more photos here. And when you, I got little prezzies when I got my book. Oh, you have to sign mine as well. We will. Yes, oh, make I sure. Oh, oh, you probably did. I thought I did. Yeah, I but did. not with you. Oh, that was when that was prior. Prior. Yes, yes. that was pre-order. Pre-ordered. <laughs> I, I got in early. I was you early, did. but yeah. Um, so, kickasswomen.com.au. You. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Perfect. All right, let's dig in. Get it? Dig. Mining. <laughs> and we'll keep on up. track. We'll Royal. And that is that's your saying, keep on track. All right, let's get on track. How the hell did you end up getting from corporate to driving coal trains? Okay, so as with everyone, now and then I had an oh shit moment in my life and found myself um, – Unemployed for a period, but also doing a period of incarceration. So I come out unemployed and having to restart and find myself a job, but uh, give myself a boot of self-confidence and self-worth, and that's where it started. So I started looking for jobs, and, of course, that's a long, hard journey to go through once you've been unemployed for a while, and was applying for everything and anything. And, um, yes, and I thought, no, I need to step away from the office-type work and the corporate work, so we'll try applying for anything and everything. And so a trainee train driver position come up and I filled out the application online and I sat there for at least half an hour before I finally got the guts to hit the submit button because I was doubting myself the whole time, thinking, no, I couldn't do this. So I hit, I hit the submit button and the rest is history. I got the job and I absolutely... Genuinely and honestly can say I love my job. I wouldn't look back now. It is just something that I find fulfilling and I love it with a passion. And it's um, something, it's a job that anyone can do. Everyone is capable of doing it. It's not a rocket science job or anything like that. It's um, particularly for, for the ladies or for women, step outside of your comfort zone. Get used to being a little bit of uncomfortable because it's not that hard. And look at you now, kicking kicking Kick. butt as a kick-ass <laughs> woman, writing a book and everything. Okay, so just to go back a little bit, <laughs> let me know if you don't want to talk about this, but you don't have to say why you're incarcerated. Mm-hmm. 
But um, any one of us at any time, something could happen and that's where we end up. And I know that I've definitely had some people ask me, can I get a job in the mines if I've got a record? Um, so how did how did you go with that? What was and, and you do. Um, everyone's employable and that's something don't let your past define you. That's that's a big lesson to learn and everyone learns from their life lessons and you need to just keep looking forward and don't look back. But there are lots of people that work out in the industry that are or do have a history, a criminal history, and that is part of inclusion and diversity for a lot of well, or nearly all employ employers now. So you cannot discriminate against someone that has a criminal history. And if they have the ability and the um, keenness and the the warrant to work, why should they be discriminated? So no, there's no reason why you cannot get a job in the industry. Wow. See, I didn't know that. So do they not do police checks anymore? Mm. Or I yes. thought you did. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it is a there is a police check involved and I'm pretty sure all employment or recruitment Applications now involve a, a police check, so it'll come up either positive or negative. If it comes up positive, it's up to the it's all it's at the employer's discretion whether or not they want to follow up with that or whether they just ask you. You can, you know, you you up you're upfront about it. You need to be upfront about it. And uh, as I said, it's the employer's choice whether or not they they give you a chance and they overlook that. And, um, and as I said, it's all part of inclusion and diversity. So. Mm. Because it could have been a long time ago. And that's right. And it, mine was 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. So it's, um, it's a, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of judgment passed around by someone that has been incarcerated and it's, it's pretty hardcore. It's pretty hard to deal with at the time. But as I said, you get over that and you don't, you don't dwell on it, you don't look back, and people shouldn't judge someone for, for one thing that they, you know, one bad decision they made. And everyone has skeletons in their closets. It's just that they're not all brought out. Especially you look around on a crew of 60 people. Uh, yeah. If you really wanted to start digging and if you stay with them long enough, you'll find out most of the gossip about everybody, be it true or not. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Joey. That's, that's, that's really special. Um, so what are the uh, – I'm trying to think of the most common questions that you get. How long are those trains? Because in case you've never seen a coal train, they're like a freight train that just keeps going and going and freaking going and going and going. But it's, you know, it's gold on there. Well, it's not gold. It's money. <laughs> it's coal. <laughs> and I, when I look at it, I think what the effort and the time and the so many different parts of mining that got that from out of the ground onto that train barreling in front of me. And now as we're sitting here looking at all these ships waiting to go into Hay Point, um, just how far it comes to get there and then it goes and it's like, well, we don't care about after that. Well, we're meant to. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Climate change has been so quiet. It's been peaceful, hasn't it? It has. So our um, our trains are just over two kilometres in length. Wow. Two kilometres. That's yeah, right. That's long. So that's a mighty walk. Good for exercise if you need to walk the train for to check any defects or if you've got an issue with it. But 
I got my hand up. <laughs> that, that, there'll be a lot of that, right? Because I know nothing about trains, hardly anything. Probably about as much as you listening. Um, so with our trucks or, or machines, we have to do a full walk around. So you don't have to walk two kilometres that way, two kilometres back every pre-start? No. We have a train inspection checklist that a train has to have done once every 28 days and it's a complete check over of the train and that is to be up to date and on the train each each day when you jump when you when you get on board but no if if a train has an issue and you're pulled up somewhere or it's been it's gone through a a wheel de- detector or, or a um, drag equipment alarm or something and you, you've been called to pull up and you're deemed to walk the train to find any issue with it or in, investigate um, and fault fault find. Uh, so, yeah, so you do have to walk the two kilometres down to the end of the train and the two kilometres back. So, as I said, it's good exercise and I enjoy it. But, um, yeah, so it's two uh, just over two kilometres in length. We trail 126 wagons and um, we're electric trains. So we are generated by three electric locomotives and we have dynamic and regenerative braking. So we put some energy and power back up into the overheads when we brake and that energy is reused with other trains as they go up and down the line. So that's that's an, an energy-efficient Oh, aid to the climate control. Yeah, there. go us. I mean, go you. <laughs> us. I'm claiming it. I'm, I know all about trains now. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, so wow. that's so that's a, that's a start. Yep. And what about so they're electric? Like, if the power goes off, you just stop. Yes. So if slowly we, or fast, fastly it, <laughs> is that a word? It, it comes to us. It comes to a, a steady stop. If um we it can, we can have a trip quite regularly in the overhead so it'll um it'll lose its um, dynamic braking and um and power so it'll come to a, a a nice neat stop but you can also apply a pneumatic brake to aid in that and then yeah you wait for you need to get um, authority from the control the train network control and they have a um an officer called the eco who's in charge of all the overhead power and whatnot so he he goes online and he checks all his boards and and monitors and whatnot and comes back to say yes you can lift your raise your pantograph again, which is that little monumental figure on top of the loco, as you see, that runs along the overhead wire. So that's called a pantograph. So that that actually um, is your power source there. And uh, yeah, so then you continue on in your journey. You start again, and um, off you go. So many questions. So many questions. Okay, so just back to your little walk around bit. Are you allowed to? If you're fund- fundamentally stable, parked up, shut down, or whatever, are you allowed to walk between the, like, how, well, I don't even know what to call it, go the, over the, the bit the that joins them all up? Okay. The wagons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Mad Mums are your crap. <laughs> so there is, um, there's two wagons into a, in a, into a tandem, thus a tandem, there's a name, and at one particular section of that tandem in between two wagons there is a crossover access where that is your egress to cross over if you if you are deemed to get on the other side of that train um if it's up for up close to towards the loco you can you know just walk around the front of the loco but you need a distance of nine meters where you have to walk in front of the front of the loco and the train is fully um under 
protection, which we call three-step protection. So it has to be at any time when it's stationary, put in three-step protection for our our own our own safety and the train stability and stationary uh, protection there. So three steps three is that steps. So like? Can I like, guess? Yeah. Go on. The power is shut down or isolated. The power is isolated. There's some sort of other braking system in place, like a park brake, kind of, and um, you're away from it. Well, no, her face is going close. Nah. <laughs> Number three, you didn't get. <laughs> so you're pretty well spot on. So, yes, yeah, so your, your throttle is isolated and then we have the two brakes. So we have an independent brake, which is put in fully applied, and then the pneumatic brake is put into full service. So that's our three-step protection. Right, so, so it's two braking systems. systems. Yep. And, and the throttle, throttle is isolated. isolated. Yep. All right. Well, that's good. So it shouldn't run away. No, and no, hopefully, and in depending, theory. well, in theory, neither and, should trucks. <laughs> and depending on the on the gradient where you're parked up mm. in the track. So if it is on a like a bit of a downhill gradient, if it's a loaded train, you will or may possibly have to hop out and um, put on apply some handbrakes, which are on the on the wagons there. So depending on the gradient, if you're in a position where the three stop protection will hold the train in place securely the handbrakes aren't required but if you're in a position where the the weight of the train could could force it forward without um on top of that three-step protection you are required to put the handbrakes on to secure that train completely so are they like clamps i'm thinking like in our trucks we would have chocks yep or put some dirt up there push if there's a truck broken down on the ramp Push gump. <laughs> you just have to do that on the load. And get up there and put, put some. Oh, I'm not going there. What if it rolls away? It'll run me over in my little loader. <laughs> just do it. Hurry up. <laughs> um, so safely, no, of course. Safely. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we don't put anything under the wheels because that that could be a possible obstruction and derail us. But um, uh, but if it was in, if it was a. Well, you take it. You got to take it away. Although many people run over chocks. They do, <laughs> they and get we do. Hammered. We do. We do with a locomotive. If a uh, locomotive. Motive is stored um, stationary for like maintenance reasons or whatnot, and it is chocked. It's that's an added step of protection there. So a lot of the times those chocks are forgotten about. So you've started the loco up and um, put in either forward or reverse, and um, yes, <laughs> for clunk <laughs> and a bit of a chewed up timber flies out to the side. So yes. So what? Is a handbrake then? So the handbrake is the wheel. You'll see a wheel, two wheels on in between a set of the wagons. And they're on both sides. So the handbrakes can be applied on both sides of the wagons and released both sides of the wagons. So that's just like a um, a manual turning um, chain, like geared link on a chain. So it winds winds the brake on to the to the um to the wagon mm. and secures that that set of well that that axle there yeah so, so that's like more that's mechanical like it's a mechanical it's a mechanical yeah. aid and it's just like your handbrake on your on your car so you'll apply the handbrake you'll wind it on yeah and then you need to wind it off when you're ready to go before you're ready to go yeah it'd be um. I'm just thinking you got two kilometres worth of wheels. Mm. With us, we got six <laughs> in on a you know big dump truck. So you got six wheels, tires, 
to look at if you get the get the chocks out yeah. or not. You got two. So in two kilo, how many wagons did you say that is? So you've got one hundred and twenty six wagons. So it's sixty two or sixty three tandems. All oh, right. Yeah, 63 so, places where yep. you could forget. Yes. So <laughs> and someone else did. <laughs> and that's a, that's an important part of your um your process. So if you're winding on handbrakes, you need to record how many you've wound on. So when you're taking them off, you're taking that exact same amount off and recording the wagons that you applied them. So you you're taking them off those same wagons. Mm. And they're checked and double checked to make sure they're released because if they if they aren't released, that's where we get our Flats and skids on the wheels, so and that's not good. That's, oh, okay. Yeah. Why not? Well, I can imagine yeah. kind of Fred Flintstone yeah. moment. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and yeah, you'll get you'll get um, the the um, the burn mark and the like the the flat mark in the in the wheel of of on the rail, so it burns out and it causes a flat stop. So flat mark. Flat spot, sorry. So when you hear a train go past you, if you're at the crossing and you hear the da dun da dun da dun that's a flat on one of the wheels. Oh, <laughs> you'll be sitting there yeah. going, that's a flat. <laughs> Can you call them up on the two? What channel are you on? <laughs> Copy train going past so and so, you got a flat on your wheel. <laughs> yeah, no shit, I'm on the way to the workshop. <laughs> so, yeah, so but but that's they're contributed by a number of factors. But, yeah, if you leave handbrakes on, that's a pretty bad thing to do and um, that's, that's an effect that can happen there. Yeah. You get some... Um, skidded wheels and flats on your wheels. And I suppose that therefore damages the tracks, could it? Does it, it? It could do. They get a bit of rail burn, I think, but um, also it's it's your wheel. Yeah, yeah, right. It's your wheel wear and tear there and mm. um, defect. When we were having lunch yesterday, we started <laughs> talking. I'm like, <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, shut up. Don't tell me now. I need to wait. But it was good because it, Triggered a lot of other things that I wasn't even thinking of asking you. So let's talk about from a point of view of us, like me and the listeners, who were driving down the road out to the mines or wherever because once um, to get to port, they're sort of away from the mines a fair bit. But And you see a train and it's going really slow at the crossing and it's two kilometres long what, um, you know, what's going on there? And can you hurry up, please? Because I've got to hurry up and get out to work or better still, I've got to get home. <laughs> um, yeah, we had some really fun stories about that. Yeah. So a huge part of the driver's job is knowing everything about the route they're driving. So that's the sections, the speed restrictions and signals to the gradients and some slight bumps in the track. So if you do come across a train going slow through a road crossing, they will be on a speed restriction. So our normal track speed is 80 kilometres per hour. So you'll see us rattling away down the track at 80 kilometres an hour. And that's pretty it fast. Is, it is pretty mm. fast and it's a pretty pretty good feeling to be in there experiencing that. But, yeah, so unfortunately, and it happens quite a bit, our um, track has gets its little potholes, so to speak, Well, we call them clay holes. Um, so yeah, so we've, we're deemed to, um, abide by temporary speed restrictions and they can vary from 15 kilometers an hour up to 25, up to 30, up to 50 or 60. So that's, that's why if you see a train going slow through the crossing, it'll more than likely be 
on a temporary speed restriction. And also to be mindful, if it's on that track, there's more than likely one on the adjacent track. So if a train is passing you on the track directly in front of you at the crossing, be mindful that another passing train could be coming the other way on the other track and it will go just as slow. (laughs) So it's like double time sitting there waiting. And then Another couple more cigarettes standing outside inside the car. car. Yeah, because that's what you can do (laughs) when when you get held up by a coal train. You can get it's not necessarily have a smoke. No. I suppose you can if you want. But um, you can't have a beer because you're driving. Of course. But you could get out and a little bit of fatigue management, yep. you know, do a few star jumps. That's it. Just a little everyone laugh, do a bit of boxing, at least go for a walk, at least stand up and have a look at the sky. <laughs> something like that. And it is, it is. Mm. that's an ideal opportunity to um, get a little bit of movement in and, uh, yes, manage your fatigue for about 10 minutes maybe. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and these are the reasons also why uh, you need to, which I share quite a bit about, plan ahead your trip when you drive because a lot of people around this area drive in, drive out to the mines. Even if you're going to the airport to fly, you got to allow for some shit to go on. There could be a very slow train in front of you other than, you know, uh, roadworks, accidents, all the other things. But there could be an oversize coming down a range and you've got to wait three freaking or three quarters of an hour sometimes. Mm. And I, I nearly I nearly got past it. Or it's worse when you're behind one. You know, am I safe to go now? Am mm. I safe to go? That's why I have a handheld two-way in your car so you can hear what's going on. And, and that- they're letting us all by or they're pulling up at the next town or because – you can't, you you think oh my god I'm going to die <laughs> I'm going really I'm go, I'm overtaking this thing there's only a little bit of room on the outside if it's big I just yeah no it's definitely um, well worth the the purchase to buy a two way radio if you're travelling in the vehicle and I mean we see some pretty mad maneuvers on the highway when we're when we have the um, the viewpoint when we when the train is travelling beside the highway, where the track is located beside the highway, um, particularly on our highway, our Peak Downs Highway, we see some pretty mad manoeuvres, and it um, it raises the heart rate in the train because we think, oh, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? Mm. Oh, thank God they made it! And then and, do you think and what then, a fucking idiot? <laughs> I wasn't going to say like, that. Hey, you're allowed to swear on this podcast. <laughs> It's marked explicit. We, we do. Can't. We we have some explicit language and say, why the fuck did they do that? Mm. But And then also we've seen some of the aftermath of sitting on the highway after they've made some of these mad manoeuvres and they haven't been successful in carrying them out. So mm. please, please take care and manage your fatigue. If you're going to drive home, pull over, have the rest and then – start your journey again mm. but always drive to the conditions and be very mindful and um, be vigilant of what's around you and what's coming towards you so yes definitely and i guess when the highway's shut you can still keep going a lot of the times um like if it's shut because someone's died it can be shut all day mm. and um so that would be heartbreaking to go past and see the fireys, the cops, the ambulance, see all the traffic. You'd be and you'd be like, "I've been stuck in that." <laughs> it, it is. It's a thought that you that initially comes into your mind, and then you're thinking of the actual 
people that are involved, of course. Mm -hmm. But, yes, unfortunately we do see that and uh, it's something that you don't want to see. So if it can be avoided, please avoid it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, that was that was a bit <laughs> nice. A bit hey, I think I need drink. Yeah. <laughs> How's yours going? It's good. I just wanted to know when you're in the cab itself, like when you're actually driving the train, right? Do you have to steer it? Like, what's the actual operational? And is it just you, or is there two of you? And is there only one engine, or is there another one halfway, or one at the back, or? All of that. There you go. Okay. That'll keep. I might go get another drink. <laughs> Whilst you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> so we're always a two-person crew. Apart from down locally, we have what they call uh, do territory, which is a driver only, and that's only from UCAN to Hay Point that one driver is um, allowed or authorised to operate the, the train and drive the train. Past UCAN, it's always a two-person crew. So one and depending on your – your crew member, so we take it in turns. One will drive the empty out and the other driver will act as the driver's assistant at the DA position on that shift and the roles will reverse on the shift coming back with the loaded. So, And then we reverse again on the next shift out. So we just yeah take it in turns. But so the driver in charge operates the train. The DA is responsible for keeping vigilant at all times you have to call and cross-call your signals because that's that's our main um, regulation to driving the train. We have to abide to our signalling system, so which is just like our traffic lights on the road. We have our red, yellow and green lights. So to pass a red light, which we, we call in our terminology, is to pass a signal signal past at danger, sorry, it's a SPAD, so that's a major safety breach. So we have to abide by our signalling system. That's the number one rule for us. And so, yeah, so the driver and the DA, they call and cross-call the signals as they can see them and up to the point where they, they pass them. Question. Question. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes ma'am. So how would we call and cross-call? So if I saw a signal go, well, uh, Loco Joe, we got a yellow light coming up, and you go copy yellow light coming up. How far away? So, okay. like, how does it go? Okay, so it's in sig- in in sighting distance, so you can see them up ahead. So you'll call, yep, yeah, yellow yellow ahead, next one red. So a yellow is a caution, and more or less to tell you that the next signal will be at a stop. If it's a flashing yellow, that's a reduced speed. The crossover points ahead of you could be against you or there is the next signal is at a red again. Um, green is for go. We see a green. Green it is. Green. Wake up. <laughs> green we go. So, yes, a yellow is a cautionary light. So more than likely your next signal will be a red. So it's it always precedes a red. So a yellow is an indication your next signal is red. So you need to prepare when you sight that yellow signal to bring your train to a stop at the next signal, which will be red. And how long do they take to pull up? Now. Now, here we go. go. This is why we ended up having two beers <laughs> over lunch. <laughs> so if if we're if we're travelling along the track at 80 kilometres an hour on an empty train, 
We have um, the capacity. We have dynamic braking, which is pretty instantaneous braking, but it still takes a considerable amount of distance to pull that train to a stationary stop. So worst case scenario is with the loaded. You've got all that added weight. It's 113,500 tonne of coal in a loaded train, in our loaded trains, and that's a lot of weight behind you. So if you have to throw on that emergency brake, that's a massive push of weight behind you and a massive force on the braking system to pull that weight up. And it will take up to, could take up to 800 metres, 600 metres to pull up. So if you're chancing to cross a road crossing or beat a train, please rethink and do not attempt to because it's not an instantaneous um, action to pull up a train. No way in the world. So, yeah, don't don't contemplate trying to beat the train across the across the crossing or down the track. Mm. It's yeah, it's not an instantaneous stop. So it can take up to eight hundred meters to to pull that train up. And do you see that happen very often? Not so much. We see a couple of road crossing daredevils. Um, we've had a couple of close calls near misses just recently in the past couple of months. Uh, so yeah, it's it does happen, but not not a lot of the time, mm. which is good. That's good. It, it yeah, is good. Mm. Um, because where we are here is cane, sugarcane harvest time has just began here in what is it, end of June? Yep, through to November, I think it yeah. is. Yeah, and um, they they're long as well, not as long as you, mm. but they can be really long. Really, they are slow. Yeah. They don't go 80Ks ever. <laughs> no, but they have the same, you know, the same capacity to inflict a lot of damage mm. and a fairly fairly severe collision if you come in and derailment. They're, you know, they are susceptible to derail a lot easier than what we are. But in saying that, so are we. If if the force was there and um, there, hadn't be a, there happened to be a defect in the track and we were called to put that emergency in, there could be a possible derailment there. Have you ever been in a derailment? No, not myself. No, no. and I don't think I'd like to experience it. No, we don't want you coming back no. talking about that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if there is one, that must, well, it does, holds everything up, mm. doesn't that's right. it? So For a long time. time. Yep. So if that's, um, that's the case, all trains are called to a stop wherever they are. Network control will put out an emergency call over the network radio and all trains will be pulled to a stop and secured and no one is moving until that scenario is um, attended to and, and cleared. And that can take and that weeks. Can t- it could. So, yeah, so until like they – flooding yep, and everything as that's well. That's right, yep, until they remove, you know, obstructions if it's obstructing the other track where they can move traffic at least on one track. So, yeah, it could be, it could be days if it's a major derailment or a, a fairly large derailment that's affected both tracks. Otherwise, they'll um, – they'll – What's the word? I don't know. Shunt? Oh, no. no. Well, well they'll, they'll make. That's one train word I know. I don't know what it is, really. I think Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Until they secure the site and they remove any obstruction from the other track, as long as the other track's got clear passage, they'll allow traffic through. Right. But yeah, so. But shunt is a good word. Yes, you shunt the wagons when you're. Um, attaching or detaching a wagon off or a locomotive off the train. That is a shunting movement. 
So what is it just kind of like? pushing it or inching it forward or just well, moving it a little bit? Yeah, like. either way. It could be either way. So the locomotive um, powers, so you, you'll do a reverse propelling movement to ease back up and hook onto a wagon or you'll ease away and you'll uncouple the wagon first, of course, and, yeah, you'll pull away and uh, leave the wagons behind that you need to and secure them if you're leaving them behind and off you'll go with a couple of wagons less. And... Oh, a couple of questions there. So do you uncouple them manually? Yes, you do. Yeah? Yep. Are they heavy? Is, is it a big pin? Is it's, it like- it's, so you've got um, your brake pipe hose where that the air goes through for your your brake cylinder pressure and whatnot. So those, those each wagon has a, um, a brake pipe cock and the valve and the hose, so that has to be closed. You unhook the brake pipe hoses from between the wagons. You have the ECP cable, which is your electric power, your uh, train line power system. Mm -hmm. So that has to be turned off and you disconnect that and then you'll release the coupler pin, which will, when the forward section of the train moves ahead, it'll unhook. So it's like a release lever that you lift it up and the pin undoes the couplers, like loosens them, and then they come apart yeah. when you when you pull away. So. Cool. Hey, <laughs> that's a bit special. So if you have to reverse up onto it, do you have a spotter or can you – do you have a camera or do you have cameras oh. as well? Oh, 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 there's two good that's, questions. That's Let's technology. <laughs> we wish we had cameras. Oh, they would make Yeah, because we do have to have – you cannot do a rear propelling movement without protection at the rear of your train. So you have to have that person or your spotter or your DA or a ground crew member standing at the rear of the train guiding you back and, and they'll, they'll guide you in how many metres you've got to go before you – you reattach or you're, you're um, coming back onto the onto the wagons or onto the, the train portion. So if that's 1.5 kilometres away from the back of the train to where you are, do you do that over the radio? So always or positive. binoculars looking <laughs> in your mirror because, <laughs> you know, we do hand movements yep. in your mirror. Positive comms. But, yeah, the person on the ground will guide you back. They'll be walking beside the at the rear of the train, they'll be so far, like 100 metres, 150, 200 metres behind the rear of the train. They'll guide you back that 200 metres. They'll pull you to a stop. They'll walk another 200 metres and call you back, you know, bit by bit mm. and then uh, guide you onto the onto the um, the portion that's sitting there waiting for you to attach to. But, yeah, so you can either – that can either be done via someone in a car but usually but predominantly done on the ground. Yeah. So someone on the ground walking – and guiding the train back and calling on the radio, you know, 300 metres to go to attach or 300 yeah, metres. 200 metres to go. <laughs> Could be 1,000 metres to go. But, yeah, yeah so there is yeah. always protection at the back. That's that's yeah. the rule. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, I need another drink. Do you need a drink? Now for a word from our sponsor, Julia Hartman and the Bantax Accounting Group. Julia's my awesome accountant. She's written two books with financial expert Noel Whitaker, and she's got a passion to help us miners make the most out of our hard-earned cash. She's got heaps of tips and make sure that we get every cent we are meant to get and is right on the ball with everything. If you head to bantax.com.au forward slash miners, that's B-A-N-T-A-C-S, you can download a free booklet 
all just for us miners. And there's also a spreadsheet in there that helps you check off what tools you have for your trade, like your isolation lock, work boots, seven shirts, all of these sorts of things. And you can weigh them up and it'll tell you if you qualify weight-wise to claim your trips out to work. And that's just one of the things that they've got over there. So I strongly urge you to head to bantax.com.au forward slash miners and see what they can do and find your nearest office as we come up to tax time. They're really on the ball, know what's going on with the tax department and there's heaps of other free information like property investing. If you really plan on doing some great things with your money, you want to do that, right? If you want to sell your house, can save a lot of money if you find out what to do first rather than in hindsight. And Julia, she'll, you know, make sure you get it right. And if you do it wrong and then go and see her, she'll <laughs> she'll up you <laughs> in the nicest possible way because she really cares about us and wants us to keep our money and not give it to the tax department. Anyway, head over to bantax.com.au forward slash miners and tell them Mad Mumsy sent you. So I've got I've got another drink because I'm right. I'm staying right here looking at the view for a couple of days. <laughs> Joe's not. <laughs> I go home to the, the scenic country view. The scenic country view. Oh, good segue. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's talk about views because you or how long does it take you from because you've got different mind sites, don't you? Yes, we do. Yeah. So – Let's talk about how long it takes and what you see along the way. All right. So on any given shift, it could it could vary. So we could leave port and it could take only three and a half hours to get to the mine that we're going to. Only. Only. Yep. On another day, it could take eight and a half hours to get from port out to site. To the same mine? To or the same to- mine. Oh, yes. So that And that's all contributed by whether there's – track maintenance going on, there's defects in the track and you've got speed restrictions, so those speed restrictions slow you down. There could be closures, so they've only got one track operating, so they might let two empties go and then they'll let a loaded back down on that one track, so you're sitting waiting your turn to go. So, yeah, so it could vary. You know, you could get out to site in three and a half, four hours and start loading or it could take you eight and a half hours to get out to site before you start loading. And then the loading, it averages around – oh, sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've got, got yes, my hand no, up again. Um, just, I'm just thinking about when you're on the way out there. Oh, yep. Do you see many critters? Oh, do you like Do you have big kick-ass, kick-ass women? <laughs> what about <laughs> kick-ass kangaroos? Kangaroos. <laughs> and do they do much damage? Yes. So I know that, emus are bad out there, can be. They make a mess. Yeah, we it's don't – you see them on the side but not so much up on the track. But that's – I love my now office view because we get to see so many seasonal changes. We get to see some spectacular sunrises mm. and sunsets, beautiful starry nights, meteors, shooting stars, all that. And it is. It's unreal to see from the big the big windows in front of the loco. It's a great view. And, of course, you see nature, flora and fauna at its best and its worst. So mm. we have roadkill and trackkill. Unfortunately, and they can't be avoided. We can't pull up a 
a heavy, you know, 113,500 ton loaded train to avoid, unfortunately, a koala bear on the track oh, or a kangaroo. Koala. Yes, unfortunately, and they are pretty common in in their season. Very sad, and that was um, one of the fir- that was the first animal I unfortunately hit with a train when I was driving. Kangaroos are very, very predominant, but not so when the green grass is around. They come out close to the side of the, the corridor and that with, for the green pick when it's dry and whatnot. Mm. But once there's been a heap of rain and the paddocks are full of green, you don't see them that much. But unfortunately, they do come out early mornings during the night and they, um, yeah, they cross in front of you and there's no avoiding them. Kangaroos are pretty... Um, Pretty, they just seem to bounce off, off, and we've got like a what they call a cow catcher at the front of the the loco, which so that um, yeah, they pretty well bounce off, and um, sometimes they land in the middle of the tracks and whatnot. You'll see the the road kill, the track kill there, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, and birds, birds aren't yeah so so bad. You might hit a bird here and there, uh, but predominantly, yeah, unfortunately, snakes you'll run over the snake, and um, they like to hide in between the warm ballast. So if you're um, changing points at a crossover oh. or walking at night and that, you've got to be very vigilant about those nice little critters. Oh, no. Oh, my God, I'm <laughs> going to be sick. I hate snakes. Everyone knows Mad Mumsy knows I've got issues <laughs> with snakes. So, yeah, so yeah. we see lots of them. The pigs, the pigs are good to see. Mm. At um, you see them getting around, and uh, there used to be a fairly healthy big mob in one particular area we used to see, but we haven't seen them for a while. But they're out there. You see them um, pretty much um, all the time in their in their um, in their hour of um, wandering. <laughs> but yeah, so it it is, and like as I said, to see the seasonal changes of the landscape, and then you know we we witness the. The vast um, change to the to the more or less drought last year it was absolutely near dirt, mm. you know, the whole way out on our trip to when we got all the rain and it more or less changed. The green grass was there like overnight. It was unbelievable. And the green turned into like a fluorescent green. It was magic. It really yeah. was to see that. So and that's a good thing. And we see all of the cattle nice and fat now from the green grass. But, yeah, mm. so we get to see some pretty awesome sights. The... Um, Wedgetail eagles are one of my favourites. They're majestic birds, oh, they're so they, there, yeah. yeah, they come in for the for a bit of a pick at the um the roadkill on the track there, and they'll fly off. And thank goodness I haven't haven't hit any one of those. We get um, the swans. Occasional black swan is out <laughs> flying <laughs> around out of the waters, and there's some pelicans that live out west there, out near Moorumbah in a dam. Yeah. So yeah, we um, we see different. Um, there's an osprey that gets around every now and then. We see him, so I don't know. Yeah, he must nest somewhere inland there and go back out to sea. But mm. uh, yeah, you see some pretty good sights. And of course, the emus they um, they're good to see. They they wander around. The, the little chicks follow the family. Yeah, so they're good to see. But yeah, I haven't seen. I think I've seen one of them um, unfortunately be hit. But yeah, they're they're pretty good. They seem to steer clear of the track. Well, that's good Pretty to hear. Good. Yeah, yeah. We um, cattle, though. We, yes, yes, they're a bit, they're a bit of a problem. So if they get out, they tend to wander across the track, and they do get um, yeah, they they get hit, and they can cause some damage. Mm. So, yeah, they because I know out that way there's quite a few unfenced mm. areas as well. You go through a sign that says 
cattle are here, no fences or however they put it. I was like, well, put up bloody fence. Why is it? Why am I driving when there's no fences? What's going on? Because it's all about the cattle. There's the boss. And let them, and let them wander. <laughs> and you're just going to sit there. And oh, especially when I had used to, when I first started mining, I had a little Hyundai XL, <laughs> and um, some of the trucks used to wave me around. And I'm like, Nah, you're right, mate. <laughs> you can <laughs> you're, take the fall. <laughs> you're going faster than me. Um, yeah. So there's quite a lot of cattle out mm. there, and I have seen an emu get hit on mm. one of the roads out, and the mess it made, the feathers, yep. because they must be really thick. Well, they are, aren't they? They're feathers. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was just everywhere. It looked like mass murder. Yeah. It was terrible. Well, it was. It was horrible. It is. And that's yeah. like the deer because the deer are pretty prominent out mm, in there as well. Yeah. So um, there's been a couple of deer hit. but uh, I, And again, thank goodness, I, I wouldn't like to hit Bambi. I have a close no. affiliation to Bambi. So yeah. I'd, I'd be pretty upset if I hit Bambi. <laughs> so how did you handle like the first thing that you hit in a train was a koala. koala. Oh, Did you nearly quit? I, like, I was I'd just... be like, no, fuck that, I can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> no, I was near devastated because it was months and I hadn't, you know, and it was a bit of a bit of thing. The other trainees, they'd all, you know, unfortunately had had come across a kangaroo or, or had um, hit a few by, by that time and I hadn't hit anything. And then the very first animal... I hit was a koala bear sitting on the track with his back to us, and well, at least you didn't see his eyes. Uh, so I was blasting the whistle. I had the lights turned <laughs> out to see if I could, you know, encourage him to move. But no, I turned the lights back on. He was just there, and it was yeah, unfortunate. But yeah, I was devastated, absolutely mm. devastated. Now I just get out of the way, get out of the way, yeah, get yeah, out of the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> I know we yeah out out at work we've had a few things like that. We used to have some emus going around. And the little families, you'd yeah. see them, you know, all throughout the right times. And the the chicks' numbers would just get less and oh, less. Yeah. And I remember this one band camp, right? I think I might have told this story before on the podcast, but I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. We weren't racing, right, because you're not allowed to race. race. <laughs> but I was going to win. <laughs> it was a bit of a debate because we had to go from one side of the pit, open cut, right, one big pit, yeah. had to go from one side of the pit the crew part, to down the ramp, down into the hole. And some people were going one way and some people were going the other way. And we all thought our way was the way to go. I said, right, at crib, that's it, we'll we'll see. Anyway, I lost. But I had to freak, well, I didn't have to. I chose to stop to let a family of emus go past on the hall road. Well. Because I can, it doesn't take me 800 metres to slow down. We were empty and I could see far enough ahead. Of course, when I say racing, it's within the rules. We were doing the speed limit, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> not blah, blah, blah. Safety is very serious. <laughs> People know Mad Mumsy, that's that's how it is. But it And and they're like, yeah, sure you did, Leanne. Yeah, sure. And um, it's true. And then you'd be at the water fuel point and see him like, oh, hello. And all the... Um, what did you say before? The swans. swans yep. Yeah, and the babies mm. and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's good, isn't it? It is good to see them, but it's not good to see them perish, unfortunately. No. no. But no. they they unfortunately don't have a sense of the track or the road. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so it can take anywhere from three hours to eight and a half hours to, to get, get out, out there. there. Yep. Pending. And then what happens? And oh, then- no, I know. I knew I had another question. <laughs> Sorry. Before we get to that. Um you don't go to a crib hut to eat for lunch or to have a break. How do you have 
a break because it's very important to focus and you've got to, you know, be watching for signals and all of the, all of that, what's going on all the time between you and your DA. So what happens there? So we generally, and the general rule is you take your breaks when you come to a red signal or, um, in a part of the track where there's no signals for a, a length of time. so, But predominantly you take your breaks and your meal breaks when you're at a red signal. So, so you don't go, right, it's 11 o'clock, I've worked no, five we'll, hours, we'll I haven't up. had a break. <laughs> go into the crib up, <laughs> get someone hot seat me, so, yeah, not so happening. No, no, and like we can take turns. Like if, if the driver um, usually predominantly you probably eat whilst you're loading the train or unloading the train because the train's going at ultra slow speed. Which we'll get to next. Yes. But, yeah, so either at, at red signals or you've got dwells, we might have a dwell, you might be pulled up at a oh, section. Oh, when you're dwelling on yes. something about the universe, <laughs> yes. how are we going to save the world? So, how are we going to get those koalas off, off the, the track? track? Yeah. <laughs> so we could have a dwell at a section for like an hour, an hour and a half, or it could be three hours. So and we you don't time, know, do you? No. Stop hitting the table or I will smack you. <laughs> <laughs> learning. I'm it's learning. It's all right. This is good practice for you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so those dwells, you'll you'll utilise that as, um, yeah, a, a meal time. And um, we do have a saying because it gets pretty boring in the DA seat. If you're not operating the train, you're sitting there, you're keeping your vigilance that, but we call that the eat seat because <laughs> you just don't stop snacking or eating because that, that occupies you a bit more than – Using the you know, the the opera um, operating the train, but yeah, that's the yeah. end seat, the DA mm. seat. <laughs> I don't. I think we digressed before we spoke about actually operating, operating. the train. So there's no steering wheel. There's no steering is it wheel. It's just all levers it's, it's, and got, buttons, yes, and is so, it like a plane on the inside? So, I'm visualizing. Yeah, it is pr- similar to like a, a plane. You've got two computer screens in front of you. And they have little tile buttons all around them, which operate the the software. And then you have your um, your throttle and your two brake handles. And then you have your like your board of all your switches of your lights and your windscreen wipers. And you have a horn and a vigilance button, which is to keep us awake. So it it sounds an alarm every I don't know. It's not time, but randomly and so you have to hit that vigilance button so the alarm doesn't go off. It flashes a light in the mid- middle of the um, the cab and it's on a countdown. So it starts at 18 seconds and it counts down. So if you haven't hit that vigilance button by the time it's got to um, to one and it goes past one, it'll apply an emergency brake oh. and the train will come to a stop. Oh. Oh. And a big stop, that is. <laughs> and a big pineapple, that yes, is. very Where much the so. hell? And because there's two of you. Yes. So between two of you, and a what the fuck's yeah. going on in that cab? That's Ooh, right. There's another question. No, we'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so vigilance all the time and um, you uh, – Hands up. Yeah. Does that happen very often? Do you, Have oh. you heard of that? Over it, the years it can, at some band camps? Yes, it can, it can happen. It can happen quite um, regularly, you know. It just You might be looking at something else or something might have taken your attention or there could be an actual fault with the button and it may not. Oh, You'll be yeah. banging the, the hell sensor. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's the word. And I just didn't get it in time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please explain. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, and it does go off and it, it you know. And that's um, you have to. Unfortunately, if it's on an empty train, you have to walk the train because you may lose 
air, so you have to check and walk right. the train uh, on a loaded. It, you don't have to walk it, but it, you need to reset the um, the system and usually it'll recover and then you'll start your journey again. So but, how long does it take, if it does drop its air, how long does it take to build up? Because oh, I too- drove a couple of water carts over the years. It's like, can, can, can you just fix this? It takes, <laughs> they're like, why are you still at the crib hut? Well, I'm building up my air. <laughs> Emergency, emergency, yeah, can't go anywhere, waiting for the air. You should report that. Been in the pre-start book for two years. <laughs> We're not going there. Oh, that's all right. That's one bad cap, one of mine. So, but does it take it long? takes? It doesn't take too long, but maybe maybe up to 10 minutes pending. It, it, it depends, but yep. usually not long. Yeah. Mm, you can okay. be up and, and up and going again within five, seven minutes maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as we don't have any technical software issues that can sometimes happen in the um, ECP system, yeah. So the train itself can build up its own air. Yeah, so it dumps, when it when it does the emergency application and breaks, so it dumps all the air and the brakes all come on. So she's comes yep. to the halt and then that all that air pressure and main reservoir pressure, pressure have to be built up and travel, it has to build up from the front of the train all the way to the back. So that's, yeah. as I said, 100 and 126 wagons until it gets to the back and then, yeah, you're right to go. Yeah. Um, and is there alarm going off the whole time? It, it goes off and it brings up messages, fault messages and error messages on yeah. the screen. But yeah, No air, no yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're pressing the shut the hell up button to yeah. stop the alarm. Okay it yeah. out, yeah. Yes. Okay, okay it out, we yeah, call it. it. Yeah. And you're acknowledging the error, saying yes, yeah. yes, we yeah. know. Yes, yes. Okay. okay, okay. That is the button on the <laughs> Vims in the cat truck yeah. that has always got a hole in it because everyone's like, okay, 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 because they've all got faults. <laughs> and they do. And that's yeah. software, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, um, well, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, sometimes yeah. just truck. just It is, mm. yeah, that's right. Um, so. with, with trucks too, just for my listeners who may not know, sometimes it ca- your truck just cannot build up its air and so you have to get the service car or get another truck over and then you hook up a hose, the two operators, you know, and every site will have a procedure of how you can instill ear, 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 <laughs> air into another truck. Make sure you do it right because you're right at the crew part, you never know who's He's there. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and it's – you get the hose, and I can hardly ever reach the what's the coupling part where you got to click it on. Oh. So I'll say, "I'll I'll be the one in the truck. <laughs> you do it." But it depends. If it's your truck, you should be the one. Get out, go and do it, and they sit in their truck. So yeah. So yeah. So that's that can be a problem with the trains as well. There could be something wrong with the. Um, the ECP system, the electronic system, and it may not. You can have an error, so it, you know, and you will have to go and fault find, diagnose then, and that inevitably may cause you to shut down the train and restart it all up again. So that's a walk down to the locos, shut them down, restart them, and and you work from back to front when you're starting up the trains. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So you start the rear loco up first, then the next loco, and then the lead loco, and then hook it all together, like put the put the um, software, tell it to link all together. But yeah. So, But, yeah, it can take a little while if, if, if it doesn't want to play the game. So what happens if it doesn't? Do you have, like, fitters driving around and they've got like, – you see a lot of signs, access point to mm. track this and that That's everywhere. more so for maintenance, track maintenance. And, oh, okay. And, and like, yep. the um, signal maintainers and whatnot and mm-hmm. points maintainers. Um, but that's mainly yeah, for corridor access. But um yeah, so there is there is maintenance staff though. So if you if if the train crew cannot 
you know, they've done all their fault finding and diagnostic and they cannot get the train to go, well, then that's a call to maintenance and they'll they'll send out maintenance crew and they're pretty good. They um, usually have it up and going. And off you go again. Yeah, and all the other trains just have to wait. Have to wait. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be one track, yeah, traffic both ways or one track, one at a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is it two tracks all the way out, like double tracks? Only like there's no points. one? No. So if, once you get to Copper Bella, um, you can travel out to Moranbar, um, two dual tracks until an area called Watonga, and then it branches off single track right and you'll go to mine sites one way and mine sites another way and the same as if you're traveling in another direction from copper bella you go out on an angle and it um stops at a certain point at a section and then goes on to single track and you travel single track out to the mine sites in that direction right but majority of the tracks like yeah say copper bell is the the um the main junction or intersection type and then once you leave there you'll only travel so far and then you'll go to single tracks and then you get to the site mm-hmm. so you've arrived yes it took us a while to get there didn't it? <laughs> 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 nearly bloody eight now eight hours just on our comms two days so then what happens so we call ahead to let the mine site know we're only about you know 45 minutes an mm. hour away from site and they obviously get the loadout ready and we come in and we have a um, train speed indicator or we have a low speed control that we load the train with. So the train only gets loaded anywhere from 0.5 a kilometre per hour up to 1.1, 1.2. So it, that's why it takes about three and a half, up to three and a half hours to load the train. And then if you get an overload, if we get mm. a bit of a batching. Take it back batching. to the jigger. <laughs> so we've got to stop the train. We've got to set the train back so that second driver has to go to the rear of the train, protect the train as it's setting back to reduce that overload and that's that adds time onto your load then and then yeah you finish the load you weigh out and if it's all good to go you're not overweight anywhere then yeah you're allowed to travel and start heading back to port so if you get an overload do they take some off they do so yeah yeah you set back to the loadout that wagon uh, sets back to the loadout and they'll either hose it off majority of times it's hosed off nowadays because of the overhead they don't have the machines there to, um, to like shove, scoop it out. Scoop it yeah. out, yeah. <laughs> so a loadout, what is that a machine or is that the area that's where the area, it is? So that's the train loadout mm-hmm. area. So that's I'm not sure whether a lot of people are familiar. Yeah, so mm. it's a tower and um, that an operator, or not so much, we only have a couple of operators now that um, man the loadouts. It's all done by um, a remote control centre. Is that majority, oh, yeah, majority. Uh, in a big city? No in doubt, a big city. Yes. yes, big city. But it's still a person it is. operating yes. it, isn't it? Yes, they're that's just right. not actually there. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, they um, they have obviously lots of monitors in front of them. And they're watching, and they got cameras um, and looking into the wagons and the and set their batching percentage of how much goes into each the front over the front axle and the rear axle and mm, because balance would be important. It is yeah, yeah. the load. And, so yeah, we have a certain a certain weight that only up distribution. A maximum, yeah, that's yeah. right. Only uh, it's got a maximum weight over each bogey 
that uh, is allowable. So yeah, so that's um, once once you've got the full load, it goes over the weighbridge, and it'll the computer will come up and tell you whether any of those axles are overloaded over that that weight weight range that uh, you're allowed. And then if you are overloaded, you have to set back and reduce that load, reduce mm. that wagon if if it's been missed in the um in the load. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And so what do you do? Well, if you you've got to move at a certain do they tell you when to move or do you just keep going no, so and in the, set it at yeah, 1.5 Yeah, so in the low speed control um section or software of the train, you're telling it you're setting the speed, the mind, the loadout will say oh we'll, we'll load at 0.8. Oh, they tell yeah, you. So yeah, so they'll tell you and um, they'll direct you. And, um, yeah, you'll set your low-speed control at 0.8, so it distributes the power. You can either just set the train to drive by the lead loco or you can distribute the power by the other two locos pushing behind or whatnot, and that, that's pending on the balloon as well, the, the load-out balloon, the, the loop that the train goes into to load, goes in under the load-out and travels the circle around to go back out and oh, yeah like so a that you turn yeah it's like mm. a big like just a big yeah balloon shape so in our balloon loop where we load um so we can have some different gradients so that that your train handling will come into effect there too because you may need to put some brake in the rear locos to slow keep the train at that slow speed to hold the weight back that it's the force that downward force is pushing towards the front of the train and um, or you may just have to have power because it might need the power to push, push forward, keep accelerating. But yeah, so it's all it's all um, controlled by the the low speed control activation in the train. And yeah, it's a and you sit back, keep watching that vigilance button and pressing that, <coughs> and then you do then you occupy yourself in other ways. And so, what? How did you find? When you first started, how did you find staying vigilant the whole time and um, also when at the times, like at the stop points and when you're getting loaded, like, well, does it feel like it's taking forever? We're never going to finish. It does. This day is (laughs) Groundhog Day (laughs) and I'm dying. It does. (laughs) So at first um, it's a bit to get used to Mm. because it can be very, very boring and draining some days at at first until you get used to it and then you occupy yourself. That's right, plan. Yep, you Mm. do. So you either read, you know, when when you're loading the train, of course, you've got to keep your vigilance about you. and um, But, yeah, so it's at low speed. It's under control. You can definitely bring it to a stop without any major drama. But so, yeah, you have ample time. So you have more or less three and a half hours to occupy yourself. So I started to read and that's where I started to write my book. Oh, wow. So I utilise yeah. my time. On the train, at red light signals, at dwells, loading and unloading the train. If I was a DA, I'd be there with my notebook and I'd be writing. And then I'd be listening to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad Mumsy, oh, beers with a minor. Let's listen to that. Would make you thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) It did. (laughs) I wish I could have a beer. So, yeah. So, I'll have one for you. (laughs) You need need to make the most of that time Mm. and and utilize it. it to the best, you know, of your ability and make the most of it. Learn something new, listen to something new. 
So that's what that's what I did, and that's what I still do. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and um, read a lot of um, self development books. I'm a lifelong learner. I like to know. I'm I'm very curious. <laughs> so how I'm thinking of been a trainer on and off over the years and you have someone in a truck with you all day and then they want to come and sit with you with the cribber. It's like, like and after seven days of the same person in the truck and they may or may not even be driving yet but we are talking and at first it's all good because you're getting to know each other and then you get to a point like oh, I'm really over this I just want to be by myself now which is why I ended up kind of resigning as a trainer. <laughs> like, nah, I just put me on a grade. I just want to be by myself and I wanted to write my lists and I got I got shit to do, you know. <laughs> I can't be doing that if someone else is in the truck with me. So that's what I'm asking mm. is, is it close proximity? How big is it? Is it like inside a cab? Can you stand up, walk around a bit or? Not so much, pretty much the distance we are here. We're social distancing. Which course. we are because we, are, we have the yeah. table at the long ways. Yeah, we're at each mm. end of the table. Mm. This would be about the distance that you sit from me in the inside the cab and there would be about that much room between here and that space there to walk between and over in this little section here is just our little kitchenette which is a little fridge and a um, microwave and a kettle and a sink, little little hand basin. But, uh, so, no, there's not much room and um, it is a confined space. It's a 12-hour shift. You don't can... need a ticket. You don't need <laughs> yeah. a confined space a ticket. ticket. No, it's you not don't. that confined. It's fine, no. Thank you, Sandra. Thanks for <laughs> clarifying yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah. Hey, uh, what is. about, is there a toilet? There is. So there's yeah. a toilet at the other end of the locomo lead locomotive. Each locomotive has a toilet. So, yes, there is a toilet. And, and does that just go on the track? It goes into, it's a like a um, chemical portable toilet. Oh, uh, so it, it, it's a, a chlorine-type system. So, yeah, it yeah. gets oh, a um, cool. chlorine tablet. But, yeah, it gets it gets diluted Not first. Diluted. Yes, <laughs> that's it. But, yes, we have that luxury, so it's very good to have that yeah. luxury. Yeah. But, yeah, other than that, no, it's um, it can be a very long day. But, yeah, and you, you do. You appreciate each other's um, quiet time. So we'll have a conversation and then you'll have your quiet time mm. and then you might have strike up another conversation and then, you know, you'll appreciate, well, someone's reading a book or someone's listening to something. Yeah, you appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, and it is. It can be, it can be trying at times, but uh, you just grin and bear it. Grin and bear it. Blink dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Something like that. Something like that. It's near it's near the end of the shift. It's near the end of the shift. Yeah, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. <laughs> the sun's coming up. Well, it doesn't matter for you, yeah, doesn't it? Really? No, no. And that's that, yeah, that is something we spoke about yesterday that triggered that memory. Mm -hmm. The uh, how um your shift times, let's talk about rosters and shift times and how they vary when you have to then go into a camp situation. And you're off kilter to everyone else, which can be like cleaners can do that mm. to you, and other people that work in in the mines. Everyone's on different, uh, or other, some people that aren't on mm. our shift. And it's like, oh, I'm just got to sleep. Mm. It's ten o'clock in the morning, and now I'm awake. Mm. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, shut up. <laughs> so, uh, with ours, we we work erratic times. We don't do the standard six to six and it all it's all based on the train scheduling times. Mm. So we could start anywhere around the clock. So we could start at 8 o'clock at night. We could start shift at 10 o'clock at night, midnight, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, 
8 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock, any time, and it'll be 12 hours from there. So it, it's all dependent when the, the trains have been scheduled to run to site and they've been booked in. So that's where our our shifts come into play and they're she- they're, they are rostered around the train schedule times. So, yeah, so, and that's, uh, as I said, we, we work where we take your first shift, you take an empty train out to site and load it, you'll do a crew shift. That crew would have spent that previous, well, that day or that night doing the same thing. They would have taken an empty out, have their downtime. At, at a camp. At camp. At, yep. In the mining in town. In the mining yep. town, yep. And um, they can be a minimum, max, a minimum of eight hours off. And back on shift, right. So um, yeah, so then they they'll come and relieve you, and you'll go into camp, have your layoff time, and then you'll go back and do a shift change that next day, and bring the loaded train back to port and unload it. So and then you'll repeat that process for the next couple of days. I'm seeing this as being a major HR like headspace because you've got. Ross. Mine sites wanting trains now. Like I, we've been in the bottom of the pit and we hurry up, get that coal out because it's going to get up there, it's going to get there, it's going to get washed because there's a train mm. waiting for this coal that we're digging now. Like that's really bad management, by the way. <laughs> and we're the ones who suffer. <laughs> for you sitting there for your three and a half hours waiting for us to get the coal out. Um, so and then to say but those drivers – that train has to go, but those drivers have only had six hours and you you don't – do you ever drive out to site and do a changeover out there? Yes, we oh, do. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. that could that could be pendant on, you know, something could have happened out on track. There could be delays mm. out on track. And that train crew, as I said, they could have burnt eight and a half hours just getting out to site and then they could be sitting at, at outside the – outside the mine because maybe the mine's not ready or the t- previous train was late in getting there and is still loading. Mm. So they've got you parked outside and you're waiting for that other train to finish. So um, I've forgotten what our question was then. Do other crews oh, come yes, out? Yes. And sorry, so yes. That they'll then come and hot yes, seat you so at they, the train? They'll, 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 be called, um, they'll be called out to come and relieve you right. because you will bust your time. So if you continue on, if you've done eight and a half, nine and a half hours, you may start to load the train but a relief crew will come and change out with you so you have enough sufficient time to get back to camp and sign off within your 12 hours. Right. So yeah. And you may be called to drive from port out to site to relieve a crew if um, that train hasn't made it back to port and whatnot. So, yes. And we do you do have, have to drive your own cars? or No, do you we have they- crew cars. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah so cool. we have crew cars um, and same thing. One's a designated driver. The other one is um, – Passenger and, yeah, vigilance again with your driving and fatigue management. Yeah. So if uh, one gets tired, you share the driving um, responsibilities and um, and get out to site safely and leave that crew and take over. Thanks for explaining that because I was thinking, <laughs> well, how do they even do that? How do they? Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. They, yeah, that they can do go, go that way. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is going to be a no Mad Mumsy, we don't. Do you have to clean the train? Or I guess you'd have to clean inside the train like you're, like we would for shift change, take all your rubbish and your shit and wipe it all down and do the windows. You have to clean the windows? Yeah, so that's, that is, yeah, you need to do that. So you need to mm. tidy up 
sanitize your your console in front of you, your chair and, you know, your screens and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, you need to keep your windows and your mirror, side mirror clean and tidy so that um, you can see out of, out of it. So, yes, you do have to do that and that's just part and parcel. That's, yeah. you know, respect for your, for every for your machine fellow crew. That yeah. you have to operate, yeah. yeah. Can you... <laughs> Can you reach the top? You're tall, right? Can you reach the top of the window from the ground? No. 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 So how do you clean no. the top of the window? So if we um, do Spider-Man actions on no. the earth. So we don't physically clean the outside of our trains. They are serviced and, and that's. But the windscreen. Um, but the windscreen, um, we have a service what we call we need to provision the train. So we have to fill the sand traps up because we have sand to a uh, that applies to help us with braking on the wet rail. If you have like uh, dew on the rail or wet rail when it's raining, mm. so sand is applied through a little valve in um, front of the wheels, and uh, it applies helps to for the wheels to get traction. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So yeah, we have to make sure those sand traps are full of sand, and they're at the front and the rear of the locos. So we go into a facility, and uh, yeah, we we provision the train, and at that point, it goes into a shed where the overhead is isolated, and uh, the drivers are responsible. Yeah, for filling those sand traps up with sand, topping the water up in the tanks for the toilet and the kitchenette and yeah washing the windscreen so we have a big broom like um, sponge uh, we spray okay. the windows and the hose and um, clean them at that opportunity and the, the headlights and the lights ditch lights and whatnot so yeah, yeah. clean your lights yes on night shift is a very good idea yeah so but that's that's all under isolated that power is isolated because yeah, you've right. got the water and you're walking around the the light mm. with that. But, so when you're out on site and do hot seat changeovers and stuff out there. You just do the inside of the cab yes, pretty much. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah. And so I guess inside the shed, I've got a four-year-old grandson, right? So I'm just seeing like Thomas Tank Engine and they all go back to the, the yard and they <laughs> they go in and then like down at Jalalan, yeah. down Armstrong Beach and all of that, that, that way. way. Yeah. Um, so that's what you mean. You, yeah, you'd yeah, go into a facility. It's like there's a, a maintenance. Of, yeah, there's a couple yeah. of facilities around. The workshop. Yes. Mm. So they um, they provide those services and, yeah, that's where you where you provision the train, so to speak. Provision the yes. train. Oh, my God. And you collect like consumables for your kitchen like your tidy bags and your paper towel and your hand towel and your hand cleaner. And- Do people pinch them? Yes. Because that's a big Isn't issue a out question? at work. <laughs> that's a dumb question. Of course they do. You know, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it anything that yeah, they're not paying for. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, yes. And that's across all industries, I yes. think. Stationary, yeah. you know, people yeah, with a thousand pens at yeah. home, like really. But I've got to have that oh, one. Oh, yeah, it's free. <laughs> hey, right. Where I'm staying, yeah, I'll be taking everything. But that's part of my my um, experience. <laughs> um, okay, so I think we're starting to draw to the close. I've got lots of little crosses. Because uh, what I do, note to self for you, which we'll touch on, <laughs> is if you think, if, if, if I have an idea or a little thing that you're talking about, and since I'm trying to be much better at not interrupting, unless I really have to, like I know that you listening at home don't know that like I don't, <laughs> or maybe you do, you're going, shut up, mate, mumsy, everyone knows that. <laughs> so I just write myself a little note on my bit of paper and then when we've covered it, I cross, I cross it. it out. Um, so <laughs> really the only one I've got here before we move on to what else it is that you're doing that's really fantastic is get dirty. So <laughs> do you get 
down dirty. and dirty. <laughs> like, do you have to wear gloves? Um, I know for us walking up and down the steps of a truck or any machine, you have to have three-point contact, which is you're hanging on and you're walking at the same time. Um, and if you haven't got – I used to wear my gloves. Some sites you had to, some you didn't. Some you did, but people don't. <laughs> um, but I wore it because it's filthy and it's freaking cold. It's black, dirty shit. Or if you're in iron ore, it's red dirt that you can't get out. That's it. And so on trains? Yes. So, yeah, of course, you've got to have your three-point contact to yep. get on board and dismount as well. Um, and also, yeah, PPE is applicable. So we've got to have hearing protection inside when we're walking outside the locomotive area where we we sit and drive so once you step outside that door that's a pp area because that's the engine room until you walk down to to the toilet the toilet's at the back of the um the locomotive so there's all the traction motor blowers and all that machinery that's that's very loud so that's hearing protection area and uh yes we have to you know at certain sites we have to abide by their ppe so mm. we do have to have a hard hat and our gloves on um when we get off off the train if we've got to go to the back of the train and whatnot to um, protect it. So, yeah, we have to abide by that PPE, whichever's on deemed whatever required you're for on. what site. Mm. But, yeah, so our main PPE is, yes, we've got to wear our gloves, our hearing protection and our hats when we're shunting or on the ground, our floppy, our floppy wide-brimmed hats that are so attractive. Oh, the, yeah. so for some protection. Yes, yes. some protection. Yeah. Yes. We wanted at the field point. Uh, at one band camp, we wanted a bit of a bloody veranda effort. Not much, just something to stand under when it's 40 degrees and we're frying out here and the pump hardly works and it's taking me forever and, uh, you know, I'm not winning and it's dust everywhere and I'm back here every five minutes. And they said, get the floppy hat effort for your hard hat. I'm like, yeah, right. How about you do it? Because <laughs> we had to get down and turn the handle and yep. everything, not sitting there and push a button like some fancy sites. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, PPE is very important mm. for protection, personal yeah. protection. Yes, that's right. And the whole world knows what that is now, thanks to COVID. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and that has brought about some good Changes to people's hygiene efforts, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, let's hope let's they hope keep it going. All stays. <laughs> Probably be the the best flu season we've ever had. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Before we move on, is there anything else you want to say about trains that we haven't covered that you think people should know? No, I don't think so. I think we're we've pretty much covered what we need to. Unless someone has a question that they'll send in to you later on, that we'll um, answer at another point. That's Down the right. track. Down the – I was trying to think what is yours going to say. I think we've dug in pretty well. And But my brain was trying to remember what yours was. We're on track, Down remember. the track. We're on track. So the show notes for this episode so that you can see updates and where to connect with Joe. Um, we're not going yet, but I'll just let you know because I haven't said it yet. <laughs> Madmumsy.com forward slash beers 71, the number 71. So um, – what else is it that you're doing now? I know that you are very passionate. We'll touch on two things. Women. Yes. Stepping out of outside the box and doing different things. Yes. And then also your upcoming live radio show. So instead of going back to show notes, you can tune in to Joe's new show and um, 
send her a message and make sure you say, Mad Mumsy said to say hi. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, so I am. I'm very passionate and an advocate for women working in non-traditional roles and I really would like to see a lot more women step out of their comfort zones and apply for these positions and work in these careers and these roles because they're very fulfilling but it's um, self-accomplishment and it's it's you can enjoy and have a passion about anything that you enjoy. So if you're in a bit of a stalemate in your current role, in your current job, go start looking at these jobs in the rail, mining, construction, STEM industries and, um, yeah, pursue it because you will enjoy it. And, yes, it has a financial benefit, but I believe more so it's a fulfilling benefit. So, yes, definitely. Can you just explain what STEM is? Because every okay. time I hear that, I'm like, what is that again? And I know that it's related to mining and I should know. But it, I kind of feel like to me it's not what I do. It's not operating. It's it's all the rest of it, geology and all of that. It's, it's lots of things and it's, it's related to a lot of the industry. So it's science technology, engineering, and mathematics. So it's research. See, none of them are my yeah. department. Yeah. So, <laughs> And there's there's lots of women that are in those industries, but there needs to be lots more because it's very, very um, male-dominated and it's because uh, just a stereotype. I think girls were never really made to feel that they could, they could enter into those industries, but there's every opportunity for for girls and for women to um, to go into those industries, and even if a, a woman has you know mathematical skills now or has a has a desire to to go and research something, go and pursue it. Go mm. and get your trade or your your degree now. There's lots of uh, lots of opportunity, lots of education opportunities to pursue those those um, degrees and those those pathways. So that's STEM, yeah, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Technology, I can relate. To. Yes, and like there's yeah. lots of you know that's in, it's such a um, a relevant well, industry to the young ones today, a generation mm. of today. You know, they they were brought up with all this digital technology. They they are the experts. They I'm tech illiterate. I really am. I, I, I know the basics, but it is just a struggle for me. But the young ones, you, you know, we're talking three year olds that can handle a laptop and an iPad so yeah. much better than we can. And um, if they like that kind of thing, go and be a coder. Go and design a game or an app because if that's what you like, if that's where your interest lies, go and do that because you will have a passion for it and you'll have a natural ability and skill for it. So if that's something that you like, go and do that. If you like designing things, you know, if you like solving problems, be an engineer. And that could be, you know, there's many forms of an engineer. Mm. So, yeah, there's there's lots of opportunities out there and uh, the girls shouldn't limit themselves to um, particular roles or or jobs. There's, yeah, go and go and find something that you're very interested, that you have an interest in. And I love your passion. I do. And it's like you look at mining, you said at the start about my mum Yes. Being a pioneer. And she was. You know, there were hardly any women out mm -hmm. there. And um, she, I'll leave a link in the show notes what her episode is. I can't remember which one. It's one of the early ones. And um, how far women in mining especially has come. 
and now we're mad Baz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was telling me about this one band camp he knows (laughs) that – he said nearly all all the su- quite a few of the supervisors the superintendent mine manager and the OCE the person who's in charge of all safety and can shut the whole show down are women and it, and it's great and the guys like they're cool they're cool with it you know and mad mumsy I've spoken about women and my thoughts on this many times so I I won't delve into your time on that but um, there is a lot more opportunity, like you say, in construction yes. and other areas, and that's a lot of your big push as yes. well. So wherever you are, step out of that box of what you think you should do and um, see what else is around. And it might not even be mining. It no. might be something in the arts or that's something. Right. But do what you love. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a feminist movement. It's, mm. it's just to say, hey, you have the ability, just try it. Just give yourself that boost of confidence and go and try it. If you've got self-doubt, build it up and just step out and try it. And as we said, it's it's not a big feminist movement to say, hey, women deserve all this. It's everyone's got an equal opportunity. So, yes. That's right. And those messages go for the blokes mm, too. Exactly. Don't that's just right. think you have to be to a be, this or a that. That's exactly mm, right. There's, think outside there's the endless box. opportunities out there. And I think I'd like especially to talk to the older blokes because quite a few older oh, – you know you old lot that listen. I <laughs> <laughs> love you. Um, hi, JS. <laughs> um, they – that's all they've known and they've just got to stay there until they're allowed to retire and they keep putting the retirement age up. But, you know, what do you like doing when you're at home? You know, do something where you can start making a bit of a side hustle – at home on your break that you can step into and semi-retire and stuff because and the other thing is you never know when that job that you're in is going to stop because of the I was going to say the, the war the, the, the market <laughs> yeah that's right yeah well the whatever the world COVID the world mm. come to a stop that's yeah. right or you you might hurt yourself or something mm. might happen or you need to be home to be with mm. look after other family members and stuff so what just start planting the seeds. Mm. What boots could I put on other than my steel cap boots? boots that's it. Yeah. And that's another thing. I'm a big um, big advocate for the old generation in the workforce because they have that much knowledge and mm. experience to pass on. Their, ex- their career experiences and their industry knowledge needs to be passed on. So these people need to have, um, if they're transitioning into retirement, search out a flexible work arrangement. Go for a job share and ease yourself into that retirement stage. And as Mad Mumsy said, go find that other little niche that you want to delve into or you got an interest in and start creating that time for your retirement. But also don't forget to pass your knowledge on and help mm. the next generation or the next intake of workers learn the industry and all about it and how to safely do their job because you are – the workforce that created it and built the industry. So we need that knowledge and experience to be passed on. As Hard Hat Mentor would say, pass it forward. Yes. Always, and that's, whatever it is. And, that's no, what I and say. only use your knowledge for mm. power. Pay it forward, pay it back. Yeah. yeah. 
No, only what did I say? Yeah. Only use your power for good. Mm. I said only use your knowledge <laughs> for power. She'd be like, Mad Mumsy, I don't bloody say that. But I was tearing up when you said that because I do know a lot of older people when um, they're back stuff, mm. they're tired, they don't want to go back out there. Um, start, even if you're younger, start thinking, okay, you might still stay in mining, but how can you transition? They keep asking you to be a bloody trainer. Yeah. I don't want to train people. Well, do it. But, yeah. But, you know, it can take the edge off. Let's sit in the crib up mm. and do a bit of paperwork for That's a change right. and, you know. Put, write your knowledge that you have in your head mm. down into a, into a procedure or into a, a, a work instruction because yeah. that is valuable knowledge to the next person coming along. Or write a book. All right, a book. That's a great idea. Oh, my God. Speaking <laughs> of which, let's start to wrap this up. High heels to high viz, head to kickassewomen.com.au. <laughs> Joe Sainsbury. Also, we need to look at the radio station. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. We nearly forgot. No. So, yes, I have um, – we have in creation and development and very soon to be – go live on air, a live stream radio show, which it will be very similar to a podcast, but it goes live to air for up to an hour. And we will be talking lots of things about rail, mining, construction, engineering, any of those industrial things that um, the women particularly can pursue and also building up your skills to get in there, some uh, professional development and also uh, emotional and you know, soft skills, they call them, building mm. up your confidence and whatnot. Yeah, self-belief. Bit. Yes, that's it. Yeah. So, yes, we'll be talking and we'll be in in touch over the air. Oh, my God, it's <laughs> going to be so exciting. I and, can't wait. And that's Kick-Ass Radio. So, Kick-Ass Radio. Yeah, that's we'll start to see it getting advertised in the next couple of weeks, over the coming weeks. Yeah, and I will leave that link to everything we spoke about today Make sure you buy Joe's book and um, listen to the live show and let Joe know that you've listened to this podcast. Where um, what's the best place to follow you on socials? Where are you on the socials? Oh, we're on Facebook. We're in LinkedIn. Kickass Women has a Facebook page and LinkedIn page, and so, also on Instagram. Yep. So that's the one. That's the umbrella for um, all the that's things. Right. Kickass yes. women. women. Yes. Love it. And um, thank you very much. It's been great to have a chat today. Thanks. And a Joe. beer. Oh, my God, and a beer. And um, it only took two days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was too many beers. Oh, my God. Now we'll, we'll get a couple of selfies with the, <laughs> the, the view. The view. Um, thanks, Joe. Thank it's you. It's been great. Cheers. See you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, there you go. What did you think of that episode, that conversation? Are you wanting to... Go and learn how to drive a train now. It's really good and um, I can see how it will keep you fit too. And Joe, I told you, she is a kick-ass woman and she is going places. And I'm so honoured to have had her on the podcast, but also to call her a friend now and to have someone who lives close by that actually gets what we are doing and our why. Um you know when it comes to technology and stuff a lot of people don't understand and that's fine I don't expect everyone to but to have a like-minded soul (laughs) so close that I can go and have lunch with and just shoot the breeze about technology about mining about women and now about 
how to drive a train and oh what about the the animals I told my mum and she was nearly crying and said don't don't talk about that again (laughs) so let's not end on that note let's end on the positive head to the show notes pick up her book and check out everything else that she's doing and make sure you tune into her live radio show when that begins head to madmumsy.com forward slash beers what (laughs) madmumsy.com forward slash beers 71 the number 71 until next time stay safe be real be special and have fun for we only live once cheers (laughs) 